Hi, this is Walter Koenig, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. This is Rico, and yes, that was Chekhov, Walter Koenig, uh, that I uh, talked to very briefly and got a little audio snippet at the Motor City Comic Con that I went to yesterday in the Detroit area. But uh, more about that later on. Uh, we're going to do a uh, another full commentary. Those seem to be pretty popular with everyone, and uh, it's making things a little easier and quicker for me. So I'm going to keep that up this week. We're going to look at the Deep Space Nine episode, uh, Melora, from Season 2. That'll be coming up later in the show. We're going to go through some usual news and information first, talk a little bit about the con I was at, uh, a little bit about the movies and things out, TV and usual uh, fun things. So uh, let's get started. Oh, this is, uh, I don't think I said, this is Podcast 174 for May 18th, 2008. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again. Uh, I haven't said in a while, but uh, I just want to say I, I really appreciate everyone uh, who tunes in each week to Treks and Sci-Fi. Uh, if you've uh, just stumbled across this podcast for the first time, searching iTunes, picked yourself up a, a new uh, iPod or other portable media player, uh, this uh, show is basically about uh, mainly Star Trek, but I talk about other science fiction and TV and movies. I do special shows about uh, various topics occasionally, uh, a couple of interviews I've done over the uh, more than three years or so we've been doing the show, and uh, just lots of other things, talk about uh, all kinds of geeky topics. So uh, welcome to the show, and uh, for those people who've been listening all along, always I welcome all of you back each week. Uh, I hope uh, you continue to listen for as long as I continue to do this. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about uh, this uh, Motor City Comic Con that I went to yesterday. Uh, I'm going to talk kind of briefly about it because I have. Uh, uh, I'm going to kind of next week will probably be dedicated more to talking about that, and I've got a kind of a special show I'm putting together for that uh, podcast uh, for next weekend. But uh, this uh, show each week, or each each week, not each week, uh, each year, most years, they, they've had a, a skip once in a while, but most years in the spring in May uh, in Novine, Michigan, they have this Motor City Comic Con. It's actually a fairly big event. They usually attract some Star Trek celebrities. Uh, for example, this, this year, uh, yesterday when I was there, uh, like you heard earlier, Walter was there, a checkoff. Avery Brooks, uh, Commander and Captain Sisko, he was there, gave a nice little talk. And Chase Masterson was there on the Star Trek side. Uh, Anthony Montgomery, of course, who played Travis on Enterprise, was there. Uh, Alan Ruck, who played Harriman and, uh, in the Star Trek movie where uh, Kirk dies, you know, Star Trek Generations. And he's in that Star Trek of Gods and Men, uh, which they uh, showed us at the uh, convention, the first two parts at least. The third part's going to be out on June 15th, I think is what they said. But those guys were there, and they talked a little bit about the film. Uh, 
Walter, of course, is in it. Chase and Alan Ruck. Uh, it's it's a great little uh, movie. If you haven't had a chance, go over to Star Trek of Gods and Men and check that out. Uh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch, and they have a lot of different Star Trek people in that movie. Uh, Amy Eulin, who I talked to uh, quite a long time ago, uh, Christabel on the forums, she's also got a little part as a Vulcan in the movie. Uh, so uh, check that out when you get a chance. But it was a fun little con. It gets kind of busy and a little crazy there. I actually uh, also have to mention uh, I ran into uh, another forum member. Uh, we met up uh, uh, Mr. Osterman on the – I don't know if I'm saying that that name correctly. Sorry if I'm not. But he was there, and we uh, we chatted for a little bit. His dad was with him, and uh, and that was kind of neat to meet somebody who uh, listens to the show. And he lives in the Michigan area as well. So, uh, But it was fun. I, I Sometimes I go to these things, and, and you know, it's – this year, I, I usually Ill, or I tried to usually get somebody to go along with me. This year, that didn't work out. But uh, it's kind of you know when you're there by yourself, just walking around, it's a little tricky. Especially when I was walking around with camera and a little recorder and everything like that, and trying to capture things for the show uh, for all of you to hear and, and that. So it's. Uh, but uh, I had a good time. Uh, it is. Uh, it, it just sometimes gets so busy in that place, especially in the afternoon. They have all these aisleways set up with all this, you know, merchandise to sell, and it gets a little crazy. Uh, you know, it's nice that they have uh, the ability for people with uh, wheelchairs to go through the place and people with kids in strollers. But, man, these little aisleways are fairly narrow, and when people go through with a, a stroller or a wheelchair, it's really tricky. So uh, I, I, it is in a better location than it used to be. They moved it a few years ago, so uh, that it has that uh, benefit, I guess. So. But I think that's enough about the convention. I'll, I'll chat more about it, like I said, uh, on a little special show I'm putting together for next weekend's podcast. A couple other kind of uh, technical uh, comments here. Uh, I apologize. I know last week's podcast didn't sound quite up to my normal uh uh, levels and and it it was a little off uh, again i just recently put together a new uh, computer new pc and i'm still really tweaking uh, everything in the audio and getting things set up with this new system and uh, the way i'm doing the show now i'm hoping uh, i think this week it should sound uh, pretty good probably pretty close to the way it normally has sounded again uh, if anyone has any comments about that uh, if they pick up anything please send me an email at treksf at gmail.com. I'm always looking forward to hearing from the listeners and, and even emails about other things like uh, you know shows you'd like me to cover, uh, just comments in general. I, always great to hear from you guys. And the voicemail, might as well mention that now, is 206-666-127. Those are always great to get as well. Not a huge amount of uh, Star Trek uh, news and information. Uh, uh, scanning over the web a little bit this morning, uh, didn't see a whole lot. But there is a little interview with a, a guy uh, who talked to William Shatner a little bit about Star Trek. And I thought I'd play a little bit of that for you. This is uh, William Shatner talking to a guy on CNN named Glenn Beck. And they're talking a little bit about the uh, working on Star Trek and Shatner's uh, acting skills and abilities. So I'll play a little bit of this for you right now. I will also link it in the podcast notes if you want to listen to uh, more of it and watch more. Uh, but here we go with a little bit of that interview. You're known for, in Star Trek, you're known for overacting. What does that mean? I, I don't know. But No, no, you... no, no, no. See, that, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> you're Glenn Beck. You know yeah. everything. 
You, oh, sure, I know. Or you have, watch the show. <laughs> right. uh, or have pretensions. Yeah. Now, what, what, what do you mean by that? What does that mean to you? When you're fighting a giant lava rock... Uh, the lizard. ...that the says, Gurk, yeah. Gurk. So, you so were... Well, what are you going to do? Wow, there's a lizard. No, 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 there's a lizard, no. for God's sake. I know. Right? I, mean, I know. You got it? I know. I, know. I so get it. So what does that mean? Well, you're... I mean, look, okay. I mean, if you want to go Don't here... Don't back down now. No, no, no. Okay. If you want to go here, I, I'm a Star Trek fan. Right. But it's hokey. You know it and I know it. It's what, a lizard what, man. No, but it was a lizard. Got it. But you, everything's hokey. No, no. Your show is hokey. You, you, you have pretensions, you, you know, you get mad about things. No, see but it's, said? it's true, right? <laughs> right. I mean, the cameramen are laughing. They're just laughing out of knowledge. What happened? There's a hokey thing. It's a lizard. I There's mean, a lizard. There's a rock coming my way. It's, but it's I'm not a rock. By a ro it's not a rock. It's called suspension of disbelief. <laughs> And I've had to suspend a lot of it. That's Look, what I mean. Look, this is a slam. Right. I remember watching this show with my father. I loved it. I'm well, a fan there of you. Are. But you and your father yes. loved it. What does that mean? Overacting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now I'm watching you on Boston Legal. First okay. time I, yeah. I didn't know anything about Boston Legal. Yeah. And I'm, I'm yeah, that's good. Uh, good stuff there. Uh, like I said again, interview with uh, William Shatner. He's out out promoting this new book that he has out called Up Till Now. Of course, he's written, gosh, I don't know, maybe about five or six like sort of autobiographies of of different areas and different uh, things he's experienced throughout his life. Uh, of course, he wrote some Star Trek Memories books. I think a couple of those there were one mostly about the original series and one about the movies. And he's written a more things recently about his life and, and and a lot of things like that. So, but he's got this new one out called Up Till Now. Uh, I might have to pick that up and and check it out. I don't know. He again, I I just have to say, you know, William Shatner being seventy, what is he, seventy seven, seventy eight now or whatever, and uh, the guy just is still going strong. And uh, hats off to him for that. And I'm not a Boston legal watcher or really at all. I just never have really gotten into the show. I, I guess I'm not necessarily one of those fans that will watch a certain actor in anything that they do. Uh, but, uh, again, Shatner, just uh, keeping keeping things going and keeping uh, up uh, and having a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, this guy, again, keeps just going. So that uh, interview I will link in the podcast notes. When you're not listening to Treks and Sci-Fi and our friend Rico... Please listen to the Anomaly Podcast. You can find us online at anomalypodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com. Yes, check out definitely Angela and Jen's uh, podcast over there at anomalypodcast.com. Great uh, couple of girl geeks doing uh uh, a science fiction and geek type show from uh, the female perspective. So check that out. I want to talk uh, a little bit briefly here uh, about uh, more uh, sci-fi fantasy based TV show promos. Remember a couple of weeks back I started this uh, with, uh, I wanted to look at briefly at uh, these intros or musical promo, not really promo, what am I saying, intro themes that they use on television shows that I've enjoyed over the years. Uh, I missed uh, doing one last week, so this week you're going to get two. This one is uh, a very favorite show of mine in the science fiction realm. Uh, this aired on the Sci-Fi Channel from uh, 1999 to 2004. They did about 90 episodes. Again, one of my favorites, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, but here is that uh, intro theme for that show. 
name is John Crichton. I'm an astronaut. In some distant part of the universe. Aboard this ship of escaped prisoners. If you can hear me, beware. If I make it back, if I open the door, Earth is unprepared, helpless, for the nightmares I've seen. Or should I stay, protect my home, not show them? But then you'll never know the nightmares I've seen. Yeah, that's an excellent theme and, and very much uh, suits the show. Uh, if you've seen it, you know what I mean. It's uh, a heavily kind of synthesized music. It uh, was done by uh, an Australian composing uh, group called Subvision. And uh, two people, a father and son team, uh, mainly composed it, Chris and, and Brady Neal. Uh, again, uh, an Australian group where uh, Farscape was filmed in Australia, so appropriate for that. So I hope you enjoyed that. I'm going to do another one later in the show after we uh, go through the episode commentary. So hope you enjoyed that, and I will be back in a second. Hi, this is Chase Masterson from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Treks and Sci-Fi Podcast. Let's talk a little bit about uh, television and movies uh, very, very briefly, uh, kind of uh, getting close to the time I need to start on the commentary. Uh, first, let's, uh, let's cover movies. i, I got to get out to the movies to see Narnia. I haven't seen Speed Racer either, although I'm kind of iffy on that one. I could probably wait for DVD, although I do think it would be kind of cool to see it in the movie theater with all those cool racing effects they've been showing. But Narnia, I'm going to try maybe today or uh, in the next day or two to check that out. I was a big fan of the first movie. So, And, of course, later this week we have uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yes, that's the title. I got it out this time correctly. <laughs> so that's supposed to be coming out. Was it Thursday? Which is it's a really weird day for it to come out. I'm used to Wednesdays sometimes. Fridays are, are normal. But a Thursday is, is rather odd. But I'll be there definitely opening day to see it. Um, but I also want to mention a little bit about television. Uh, the um, Battlestar Galactica is continuing on Friday nights, Doctor Who and all. Uh, of course, still both great. Uh, but uh, the big thing I wanted to talk about this week was the last episode, it seems, of the very n- just great CBS uh, drama fantasy show called Moonlight on Friday nights. Uh, CBS decided, even though this thing won a People's Choice Award, was always winning its time slot to cancel the show, and this is what I have to say to, to CBS. Did you hear that, CBS? Oh, gosh, now my microphone is... <laughs> I just, I, I don't understand it, and there's been some, we've been talking a bit a little about this on the forum, and I just, yeah, okay, maybe they, they didn't get this, this, you know, monumentally stellar ratings that they wanted, but hey, you know, they got pretty good ones, the critics were kind of liking it, the fans were loving it, you know, wouldn't it be better to kind of nurture the show, maybe find a new time slot for it if you think it could do better? And and Friday night is definitely, you know, you got to kind of judge it on that. Friday night is like the worst night uh, typically historically for TV show viewers, uh, that and Saturday night, I guess, both. But, 
you know, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. Now they're going to throw a bunch of new shows up next fall. Well, I guarantee you they'll cancel most of those as well, too. So, you know, rather than spending all the money, effort, and time to build up a new show and hire some people, why don't they keep something that's doing pretty well and kind of nurture it? I, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I'd be uh, very welcome to hear other people's opinions and what you think about it. Uh, send those in to me, and, and I can play them on an upcoming show. But it's just weird. And, the, you know, the last scene, they, they kind of ended the show on a nice note. Uh, I had been concerned. I thought that was going to be kind of a cliffhanger ending I had heard or something like that. But they really didn't do that exactly. It was a very sweet ending. Uh, I even have a clip from YouTube uh, up on the forum right now showing that. And uh, you can find it if you search for yourself. If you're a fan of the show, you've already seen it probably. But uh, very sad to see that show go. And, uh, you know, boo-hoo to you, CBS. Uh, I, I just... Don't get it sometimes. Well, it's time to get into uh, this week's episode commentary. Uh, we're going to be looking at the, like I said, Deep Space Nine episode Melora from Season 2. Hey, let me get this started. Uh, roll the DVD now, and I will talk uh, about the episode as it plays. So here we go with Melora. Medical log, Stardate 47229.1. Chief O'Brien and I have been working overtime to prepare for the arrival of a new cartographer. Ensign Melora Pazlar is the first Elysian to join Starfleet and, as such, requires special accommodations. <laughs> I haven't seen one of these in 300 years. I'm surprised it was even on file in the Replicator's databank. It isn't. Ensign Pazlar sent me the specifications. She really uses one like this. Her normal anti-grav unit isn't going to work here. Same problem we had with the Starfleet cargo list. Cardassian construction just isn't compatible. Ops to Bashir. The yeah, Stone that kind of would make sense a little doctor. bit. Uh, you know, We're the Cardassians probably, uh, they probably weren't too keen on having people in uh, their crew uh, in wheelchairs and things like that. Kind of like the Klingons, I think. They, they tend to keep the weak out. Doctor, we've done the best we can with the ramps. The Cardassians obviously didn't have her in mind when they built this place. I've managed to modify the maximum vertical clearance of the chair three centimeters to a slope of 56 degrees. Well, that still leaves a lot of places around here she won't have access to. Can't we just use the transporter to help her get around? It makes sense to me. But she sent word that it wasn't acceptable to her. I wonder why. I know exactly why. She went through Academy the same way. Once her basic needs are met, she refuses any special assistance. She's extraordinary. You make it sound as though you've known her for years. I almost feel as though I have. Yeah, it's uh, this is a really nice episode, and I've been meaning to cover it for a while now. There's a lot of reasons for that, and I'll go through as we uh, look at the episode and, and listen to it together. But, uh, it's uh, it's another episode to me that's uh, very Star Trek, and one of the things they do real well on the show. Now you're going to meet uh, Melora here for the first time, and uh, a pretty very interesting character, I think. Ensign Melora Paslar, reporting for duty. Welcome to DS9, Ensign. I'm Chief Science Officer Jedzia Dax, and this is... Dr. Bashir, we spoke on subspace. Good to meet you in person. I see you have my trolley car ready to go. As requested. Can I help? I'm fine, thank you. That's better. 
You've modified it. Yes. I wanted to give you as much mobility as I could. I've been practicing on the model I requested for a month. Well, it's no problem. We can replicate the other design. No. I'll just have to adapt. I will be accompanying you on your survey mission. I really don't think that'll be necessary, Lieutenant. I'm perfectly capable of piloting a runabout. Commander Sisko thought that I'm it... I'm sure he thought what every officer I've ever served with has thought. That I need extra help to get the job done. Please tell him I don't. Commander Sisko wouldn't allow uh, any ensign uh, to take uh, a runabout good, into the Gamma uh, Quadrant the day after she arrived. I'm sure the Chief Science Officer has more important things to do than chart a sector in the Gamma Quadrant. Um, here we are. You didn't modify the specifications I gave you for my quarters, did you? Not one iota. You know, typically, you too, they wouldn't be doing a mission if you uh, care to try it out. solo, you, really, especially a new crew member. It's a pleasure meeting both of you. I'll dial down the volume here a little bit and uh, give you a little bit of background here on this episode. Uh, of course, it's called Melora... This uh, teleplay by uh, a guy named Evan Carlos Summers, and we'll talk a little bit more about him as uh, as we go. And also written by Stephen Baum, Michael Pillar, and James Crocker. The teleplay that's you know basically the script story though by uh, Evan Summers, directed by Winrick Colby. Uh, this also has a, a great musical score in it uh, that you'll hear some different beats in uh, by Dennis McCarthy, uh, who did of course a lot of work on Star Trek. Over let me dial that down just a little bit more. Oh, there's a bug flying around down here. Oh, it must be summer and spring already. I think we've got to fly in, uh, fly in the basement. How to get down here? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, sorry about that. Uh, a little distracted for a second. Again, this episode is in the second season. Early in the second season, characters are pretty well established. Uh, and, uh, again, the, the main idea here, of course, is about this uh, wheelchair-bound uh, alien... Uh, Melora, who comes aboard Deep Space Nine. Now, they had a wanted to have, as a member of the original cast and crew, have some type of uh, a cast member that was, you know, wheelchair bound from a uh, a lower gravity world. You know, the the thing is, most of the humanoids and things they've met on Star Trek are always pretty much the similar shape, size, you know, mass and stuff. The only uh, kind of exception, a little bit on the original show, of course, was Star Trek. And the difference there uh, was around Star... What did I say? I don't know what I said. <laughs> Sorry about that. With Spock. Spock, uh, Vulcan has a much heavier gravity. So when he would be under Earth normal gravity, it would actually allow him to be a little stronger. Here you have the opposite case with Molora. So we're getting into uh, the first act now. Only created 80 of them. But, uh, you know, it, it would be very likely that they would run into aliens from other planets and worlds that would have varying degrees of gravity. And, and just a slight change in that. And here you have a fairly extreme change where Molora is from a, a world that has, has a much lower gravity than, than the Earth normal that they probably keep the station set at. So that, of course, puts her in a wheelchair and makes things very difficult for her on Deep Space Nine and on the runabouts and any other starships you might serve on. Shall we celebrate our closing the deal with another drink? Here we're in Quarks. He's just doing his usual Quark, quark stuff and uh, trying to uh, make I'm sorry, we're profit. Not that, but if you'll come back and... I think 
this is getting into here, the, there's like sort of a little usual B story going on in Deep Space Nine, and Quark being a little bit in trouble here. Oh is it really you? How long has it been? Eight years. Eight long years. Oh, it can't be. I must say, you look terrific. Tanned, toned up. All that baby fat is disappearing. Quark is just face. great, you know. They, they, they do such a great right job right. with his character on Deep Space Nine. He's just he really livens the place up, and uh, he's a good foil, of course, for Odo and, and, for and other territory. characters that oh, come in, especially Klingons and My Worf. business is right here, with you. With me? That's right. This thing on this one guy's up. alien's face that, that they stuck on his nose here. Uh, Michael Westmore, I think, does the makeup. It's just really funny-looking. You almost laugh when you see this alien. Nevertheless, this is her first deep space assignment, and it doesn't make sense to me to. And now we're in uh, Cisco's office, and, and they're talking about Melora, and she comes in. Actually, they're going out into Welcome. the ops area. I'm Commander Benjamin Cisco. Am I late? Avery Brooks uh, got to hear him talk yesterday at uh, the con. Just, just a great, fun guy. Very, very uh, personable. I got to, the chance to ask him a question, and uh, very, very nice. Had a had a good line, uh, good line going for autographs, and I didn't bother with that. But uh, he's just a very nice guy. Very smart. I'm sorry if I seem overly sensitive, but I'm used to being shut out of the Melora problem. The truth is, there is no Melora problem. Until people create one. The, um... I gotta say, actually, the, the actress here playing Melora, Daphne Ashbrook is her name, really does an excellent job uh, with a difficult kind of role. You know, actors are very used to using their bodies, and here they're, they're restricting that quite a bit. knows more of your capabilities than any of us. I don't need a medical opinion to tell me my own capabilities. Benson. I simply object to being treated like someone who is ill. I don't see anybody doing that. Try sitting in the chair, Commander. No one can understand until they sit in the chair. So even here, you know, in the 24th century, you know, somebody that's uh, handicapped in a way, that it's just, it's still very difficult for My them. Even though cane. she really isn't, when you think about it's it, on her world, she is perfectly tree. fine, perfectly normal, and that's, that's no a distinct, like uh, live off world, distinct distinction, what you consider uh, normal the right way. Gravity. That's a distinction that's important, I think, to this episode. Home. It probably makes things but even I knew that more frustrating, I think, for her, because... She's just, you know, the, she grew up and her life wasn't really and like this at all. But now to go off into Starfleet, she, she's stuck with this situation. Chair, and it's, it, it's very, very obviously difficult for her to deal with. You must feel a great deal of pride about everything you've achieved. And I've achieved that, Commander, without being dependent on anybody. To be honest, I prefer to work alone. It's simply easier for me. And it's also probably less embarrassing, you know, when she needs help or something happens. And, you know, I can focus the, on the she's job got a lot of pride that kind of is, kind of gets in the way, actually, a little bit. Lieutenant Dax will be going with you. Yes, sir. I like how she forces herself up out of the chair when she first meets when Cisco here. 
she he has this sort of exoskeleton that the, uh, the people working on this episode they thought it was important for her to be able to do that and not just sit in the chair the whole time and it's a neat little uh, device or, or creation that they used for her that wraps around her arms and her legs and uh, and it kind of uh, since I saw Iron Man a couple weeks back it kind of reminds me a little working? bit about when Tony Stark is building his suit and the kind of structure he used for that it's working fine so you were just oh um for me it's like slipping into a hot tub at the end of a long day maybe I'm a shower man myself <laughs> Look at this. Julian, he always thinks uh, he's such a ladies' guy, but he's really pretty shy husband? and pretty nervous, I think. Boyfriend? Doctor, if you came for an apology, I apologize. Apology? My speech wasn't intended to attack you personally. I'm sure you never set out to attack anyone personally. But you do seem to attack a lot. It's rather insensitive of you, Doctor. Julian, I'm no longer your doctor. I see. You've decided I need a friend. Was that an attack? <laughs> you do it so well with such charm, it's hard to tell. I really don't mean to... Sure you do. I beg your pardon. Of course you mean to. All of these broad shots you fire... They're just a way of keeping the rest of the universe in the defensive. It has to be. You're too good at it. Well, uh, he's a pretty good psychologist to judge of character. Well. Julian really is, and uh, he's Until hitting now. the mark pretty closely here with her. I think. Well, that is the nicest thing you've said to me, or anybody else. Are you hungry? I came here thinking about asking you to dinner. Then afterwards we'll go dancing, I suppose. Red alert. <sighs> I'm sorry. Well, come on. There's a new Klingon restaurant open on the promenade. If you like that sort of thing. All right. Nice to see a, uh, a you know, a relationship here a little bit starting for Julian. And Dr. Bashir, of course, he, he's always been kind of the most romantic, I think, of the characters on Deep Space Nine, and it kind of comes out quite a bit in this episode, of course. I want to mention and talk a little bit about um, the guy who wrote this episode. He was actually working a little bit on the staff of Deep Space Nine, but he lost his staff role as a writer. And the interesting thing about this guy, his name again is Evan Summers, is he's a paraplegic himself. So he really uh, understood the situation here with this character, and he knew that there was a uh, the idea of having a, a crew member aboard Deep Space Nine, one of the cast, as being somebody like a wheelchair-bound person. And so he used that story idea to pitch this story for uh, DS9 on, on the second season, and of course they accepted it, obviously, with this episode. And uh, again, I, you know, remember Jordy being, uh, you know, a handicapped individual with his eyesight on Next Generation, and here you have the character of Malora on DS9. You know, Star Trek again has never really shied away from these kinds of issues, and I think it's important. And she has a, a great deal of pride, though, in herself, and doesn't like uh, to get help from anyone. And I have the guy, the alien here, in Quark still with the big 
you know, piece of Play-Doh almost. It looks like hanging off of his nose in the middle of his face. It's very weird looking and kind of almost distracting. As you could ever imagine. So. It's got to be a tricky thing to come up with an alien look and an alien face, especially week after week. And something that looks like it could be real. But for some reason, this one just, this, this guy that Quark's talking to just really seems odd to me. Shall I order for us both? All right. Um, let's see now. We'll have some Racht, of course. Racht. And a double order of Glatst. No sauce, please. Glatst und Zubal. And <laughs> oh, this a stuff side is disgusting order looking. of Zilmkach. Is that too much for two? Klimkach. Draku. May I? Don't be alarmed. Excuse me, Julian, I can't eat this. Uh, I know how it looks, but... The car de de la fracknel? Dugabol ratar! The tail clapabool! Pock de bol! The car del gudena! <laughs> I like a customer who knows what she wants. <laughs> <laughs> he, this Klingon uh, waiter guy or... Gudena. There's nothing worse than half dead racht. This, uh, you know, Klingon food has always been kind of uh, living and a little disgusting looking. And, and I swear there was a plate of uh, real earthworms there that they picked I was up. was ten. My father was a Federation diplomat on Invernia Two. One day, when we were out on a remote part of the planet, we were hit by a massive ionic storm. And while we were waiting it out, we found an Invernian girl, about my age, who was sick. After the storm cleared, my father went for help, but it was too late. I sat there and watched her die. The next day, when he returned, his guide told us that we could have treated her with a simple herb that was growing all around. I could have saved her life. And so you started to study medicine? Actually, first I started to study tennis. Tennis. I really thought I could make a career out of it. You must be very good. Well, I used to think so. But then I went to my first major competition. My opponent served first, and I heard the ball bounce past me. The computer announced it was good, and I realized I was in trouble. It turned out I had more talented medicine than tennis. <laughs> It was a good touch. You know, they did something a little different, not just at Quark's. Computer, level one security access. And it, it put some personality into her Ensign a little bit Paslar? more, too. Computer, locate Ensign Melora Paslar. Docking level 22, section 14. Section 14. 
We need to get you to the infirmary. It's my own fault. I decided I could use an extra astrometric array after going through the mission profile again. I came to the storage bay to get one. My mind was already in the gamma quadrant. I wasn't paying enough attention to what I was doing. I guess my boot didn't make the lip of the door. I fell on my controls. Jackson Bashir, Ensign Pazar's had a uh, minor accident. We need to see you in the infirmary. Acknowledged. I'll be there in three minutes. What kind of an architect would deliberately design a raised rim at the entrance to every door? Yeah, with those uh, funny little uh, round so doors they have on DS9, quadrant? it's obviously uh, not it uh, handicap uh, accessible everywhere. There's no concussion. You can reschedule your mission for tomorrow. Was so flopping <sighs> back and forth like a broken toy. I didn't want anyone to find me like that, but I couldn't get up by myself. Why didn't you wait for Dax before you went into an area that was unmodified with ramps? I didn't need Dax if I just paid attention. Melora, no one on this station is completely independent. In space, we all depend on one another to some degree. I just want you all to know that you can depend on me. You've proven that. Now what do the rest of us have to do to convince you? Of what? That you can depend on us. Ah, touche. Good point. Have you ever heard of the work Nathaniel Teros did with low-gravity species 30 years ago? Neuromuscular adaptation. It had no practical success at all. No, but the principles were sound and a lot of progress has been made in neurochemistry since then. You think someday I could throw away the chair? Theoretically, perhaps. Would you like to come in? Oh, no, I, I, I know how much you look forward to turning down the gravity. Don't let that stop you. You may want to brace yourself until you get used to it. Yeah, she has, of course, these specially modified quarters which allow her to kind of float around much more uh, comfortably for her, obviously, again, from the, the low-gravity world that she's from. Come on, Julian. What do I do? Just give a gentle push. It's easy. This is astonishing. I can't tell you how curious I was about this. Most people are. Sometimes they make me feel like a carnival attraction. So usually I prefer to keep everyone out. Well, thank you for letting me in. He's my brother. In the photograph on her desk there is her brother, not a friend or...
nice music here in this scene where they're floating and, and getting uh, a little more intimate. Of course, they had to rig up a lot of wire work and everything uh, to do this episode. And this was back before they had a lot of computer technology to make this easier to do and, and clean the wires up. But they still did a great job, I think. And actually, they uh, when I was reading about this, they, they kept the uh, a lot of the gear and harnesses and wire work around for the next few seasons because computer. they were thinking of bringing the character of Melora back, but eventually they had to uh, pack it away to make room for a new set that they were doing, so they changed that uh, around season five, I think I read. Delvok never seems a Vulcan to me. There's too much emotion in his music. It's pretty. Tell me something, Lieutenant. Now they're on their uh, little away mission, Dax and Melora, in a runabout. I think so. You made it work? Now and then. I mean, really work. Oh, (laughs) really work. Well, for that I'd have to go back, um, 150 years. That's a long time. Could it be that Dr. Bashir's bedside manners won you over? Our species are just so different. Since when has that ever stopped anyone? I knew a hydrogen-breathing Lothra who fell hopelessly in love with an oxygen. You're kidding. Well, how could they even be in the same room? 40 minutes a day without their breathing apparatus. That's all. 57 years they were together. What, what about career conflicts? Two friends of mine from the Academy got engaged, even though they knew they were being assigned to different starships. Subspace relationships. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a tough one. They may not be together for a year or more, and even then for only a few weeks. Love across light years. It's just so... It lacks intimacy. You could say that. I finish my mission here. I move on to the next one. What kind of future is that for a romance? Look at the alternative. I guess. Yeah, even the uh, background music they hear they're using there in the runabout is uh, kind of a a little romantic uh, element to it. All right, I won't. Odo, there's a desperate criminal on board the station. You wouldn't be talking about Fallot Cot who just finished eight years at a labor camp for hijacking a shipment of Romulan ale and whose name appears right next to yours on the original indictment? I had nothing to do with the hijacking itself. I was only the, uh, middleman. Trafficking in stolen goods should have been enough to get you your own cell at that Romulan camp. Unless, of course, you sold out your partner. I can honestly say justice was served. I would imagine Fallot Cott is looking for his own kind of justice now. He threatened to kill me. What? Nothing. Just a passing thought. Oh, no, he means it. Nothing I do seems to change his mind. You've got to do something. I'll do my job, Quark. Unfortunately, 
yeah, Bashir is looking into this uh, neural uh, therapy, neuromuscular, I think, therapy to try to aid Melora so she could use and access areas of the station without, of course, her chair or the exoskeleton that they built. What is it? It's a computer model of an elevated neural output from the brain's gross motor cortex. It's stimulating acetylcholine absorption to increase tensile strength. The neuromuscular adaptation theory? It was a theory 30 years ago. But with the development of neoanaleptic transmitters, it's not even that complicated. It's just that no one's ever gone back to re-examine the ideas of Nathaniel Teros. Until now. This could actually work? No more servo controls. No more chair. This is a good point of this episode here. Of, you know, she's, again, not really... It's not like she was injured or born with some kind of defect at all. Currently, this is her natural state. She's just in a set of conditions. It would be no different than people being able to... You know, people going scuba diving and having to use air tanks to breathe. We're not really built to go underwater and breathe oxygen out of the water and all of that. Like, like fish, it's... it's not our environment. Not that and, I'm aware of. You know, that's not a defect with us. We're just not born to we that. Have again, Melora isn't born we to do. be living in an Earth normal environment. Like in Earth normal gravity, I should say. But I can't let you kill him. Kill him? Did he tell you I was going to do that? I know of your history together. Let bygones be bygones. I always now this say. alien Kotz is talking to Odo here. Say, the guy again with the, the big piece of uh, Play-Doh on his nose. <laughs> I just can't get over it. How do I walk? Like someone carrying a lot of weight on his shoulders. Must be the memory of those Romulan bricks I carried for eight years. Must be. But you can't lock a man up for the actor way actor seems familiar to me. Can I'm going to have to... i got to look up who is... Uh, Who's playing this guy, Cot? Peter Crombie, it says in my Deep Space Nine companion book. I don't recognize that name, but uh, his voice sounds familiar even under all that makeup. Well? I'd say he's a man with nothing to lose. As opposed to me. I have no reason to hold him for now, and he knows it. I'll watch him the best I can. But I suggest you carry a comm badge with you at all times. Call me at the first sign of trouble. What if the first sign is the last sign? You people sell pieces of yourself after you die, don't you? Yes. I'll buy one. My heart is pounding. I'd like to think that has more to do with me than the neo-analeptic infusion. Would that also explain why my backside is getting warm? Well, that's more likely the result of the neuromuscular tissue stimulation due to the increased activity in the motor cortex. I'd say that's enough first time out. It's good that you've already been using your muscles in this gravity environment. It'll make it easier to adapt. Feel any different? No. Nothing at all? pretty amazing that they could be able to uh, change her musculature this easily, you know, with uh, a few moments in Dr. Bashir's, uh, you know, infirmary. Increased tensile strength would be the inevitable result. Julian? You lifted my leg. Your neural pathways beginning to adapt. 
Endurance and coordination might take a while. But we should have you walking within the hour. How's the upgrade coming? We've been able to get it to about 70% of what we'd get with the standard EPS. But it looks like that's going to be... I'd comment, uh, there was a little story that Avery Brooks uh, commented on uh, during his talk that uh, one of his biggest concerns when he first took Cisco's role was, uh, I guess, uh, growing hair on his head and shaving his face. He he actually was looked more like the later Cisco when when he first got the part with the shaved head and goatee, but he eventually got them to bring that back uh, with the character later in the series. I'm sure I can make it easy, does it now? It's just the first day's treatment beginning to wear off. Thank you. Nothing to be concerned about. Look, I better get you back to your quarters. I wanted to get a good night's rest tonight. Oh, thank you. Habitat ring level 14. With each progressive treatment, you should get stronger. And the effects should last longer. What about this? A low-grav environment now would really confuse your motor cortex. I understand. (laughs) Julian. You let me fly for the first time. I let you walk. But even... I'll see you in the morning. There's one part about that I don't think I mentioned when they were showing that scene of the two of them and floating around that didn't make sense to me. You know, a Starfleet officer should undergo some basic ideas and training without gravity. You know, gravity on starships goes out. They need to be able to know how to maneuver or if they're doing something outside of vessel, uh, out in space. So for Julian to be just the first time he has ever been in that kind of situation kind of floating about it kind of really doesn't make sense to me at least it seems like he'd be exposed to that at some point in his career uh, maybe briefly i guess is, is maybe but not uh, in the situation he was with i wasn't prepared to entertain you see but make yourself at home i already have what's mine is yours all you have to do is ask i'm tired of your gifts quark all i want is your miserable life wait Everything's too close. Uh, believe me. I now the guy with again, the, the Play-Doh nose is a choking cork here, threatening him, wants his money. 199 bars of gold, press Latinum sound to you. It's a start. just felt like rocks and every one of my muscles ached all night long (laughs) you'll adjust to that after a few more treatments this time the effect should last for several hours exactly when has this become irreversible melora if you're not certain no i'm sure it's just some strange form of buyer's remorse I'll, i'll be fine tell me exactly what you're feeling. Last night I just missed. I didn't feel like me. If you want to end your dependence on the chair. The um, 
and the servants It's weird here that uh, You're gonna have to how much longer her hair looks in this scene trade. versus the rest and of the time like when she's uh, in her uniform. I guess she Until pulls I it back it or something. If I could just spend... I'm just concerned that going back and forth could ultimately lead to a loss of fine motor control. Meaning? Your ability to perform complex tasks could be affected. The effects are fully reversible for the next few days. We can pull the plug at any time before then. But after that, if all goes well, your motor cortex impulses will kick in on their own permanently. That's understandable. You know, she's lived with a certain way and uh, for so long. To, to change how she is after, after this many years of being like that. It, it, got, it has to be very strange. The thing I wonder about that they don't bring out a lot is how much, before she joined up with Starfleet, how much exposure she had to living like this with, myself. you know, the exoskeleton and chair and, and heavy thoughts. gravity compared to what she was used to, you know, this on her planet. Uh, for the all the years she I was growing up, she wouldn't have had that situation at all. So, But then I start to think about home and how I won't ever be able to go back. Well, maybe just for a short visit, but... Never really go back. A Little Mermaid. Mermaid? It's an Earth fable by Hans Christian Andersen. She trades her magical life under the sea for a pair of legs to walk on land. Didn't she live happily ever after? present my longtime business partner, Fallon Cott. For your inspection. Exquisite. Then our transaction is complete. This guy, uh, this alien here, looks like a big, uh, like a big mouse or something. Not true. A deal is a deal. Rule of acquisition number sixteen. God, you got what you came for. Let's be reasonable. Oh, the big mouse just got shot by Plato Nose. Pick it up. Move. Hurry up. Move. Move. Let's go. Priority one security to level 22, section 5. I'm sure Julie would understand. Besides, you can still publish the results from your first treatments. Both of you, back in the ship. Let's go. Now the, uh... Now Quark's, uh, situation has intersected with Laura and Dax here. So the uh, A and B stories have become one story. Shine, man. Do as he says. I'll just wait in the back. In the front, where I can see you. There, hurry up. I'm moving as fast as I can. She's in elation. She needs motor support in our gravity. They're in the Orinoco. Docking caps have been released. Thrusters engaged. Radio tractor beam. Open a channel. Open. This is Commander Benjamin Sisko. Hey, we Return see Kira for the first time in this episode. 
No reply. Engage the tractor beam. They've locked onto us with the tractor beam. Open the channel to that commander of yours. Release this ship, or I'll kill a hostage. I'm willing to negotiate your freedom, but first release those... Didn't you hear what I just said? <laughs> no. I have something special in mind for you. He, uh, zapped, uh, blasted Melora. Do I make myself clear? Release the ship. Now. Doctor, Chief, with me. Beam us to the Rio Grande. Give us ten seconds and then disengage the tractor beam. I must have missed Understood. it, but why didn't they just beam them off of the uh, Orinoco? I, they got shields up or something like that. I don't quite get that. I would guess that would be a simple answer, that they it have really shields. Does. Through the wormhole. coming through the wormhole. Take us to warp. We haven't even set a course yet. I don't care about the course, just go to warp. If we don't set a course, we could warp ourselves into oblivion. Fine, set a course. Just get us out of here. They're powering up their warp drive. Stay with them. Engaging warp engines. Can we beam them aboard at warp? I wouldn't recommend that. Now they're talking about beaming, so I've been kind of a bit of a glitch, I think, there, maybe. Now, Melora has sort of regained consciousness and sort of working her way across the floor. I'm not going to fire at them. Oh, you'll do it, or you'll die. It's your choice. Fine. Then I hope you can fly this ship. Just sit down and do what I told you. Now. Quark... How well do you know this man? We've been friends for years, not counting your day. <laughs> well, I suggest you explain to him that Starfleet isn't going to give up and stop chasing us. That's true, Fallon. You don't know these Starfleet types. Then we'll all die. Great. We escape, and he's got something special planned for me. We don't escape, and I just die with everyone else. Am I missing a choice here, Fallon? Be quiet, Clark. Laura shut the gravity off in the runabout. It dropped out of warp. And she kind of pushed herself across it. The, the, uh, the bad guy, so he's uh, knocked out. been reinstated. All engines are down. Come on, Doctor. You know, the, the, it's kind of a nice thing that they did here. The, the obvious thing is, is that her being a, the, the kind of alien that she is and, and more adapted to the lower gravity. I think we have the situation edge here in this situation. Cisco to Rio Grande. Everything's under control. We're going home. I commander. Setting course for the wormhole. Why didn't the phaser kill me? Oh, I don't know. Maybe all the neurostimulants we've been pumping into your body. That's what I was wondering, too. You know, it might make an interesting side effect to the treatment. It's worth exploring. Julian, 
I'm not going ahead with the treatments. Well, you can always try it again someday if you change your mind. I don't think I will. I like being independent. To give up everything I am to walk up on land. Well, I might be more independent, but I wouldn't be a patient anymore. I'm not sure what I'd be. Besides, maybe independence isn't all it's cracked up to be. I kind of like how it feels to be dependent on someone for a change. And I'm glad you got me to unlock the doors to my quarters so I could finally let someone into my life. So am I. here at the end uh, <laughs> something uh, I guess romantic that the Klingons like oh you must be exhausted uh, if you don't want to stay oh let's just sit a while and listen episode for Deep Space Nine. I really like the way they kind of tied everything together with that show. You know, the couple of different storylines going on and the character of Melora. It would have been it would have been good to see her come back sometime. Uh, but the, the other idea of them having a character like this on the show, you know, week after week, I, I think from what I had read, you know, obviously this would be a little bit more costly and in, in production uh, involved with the, all the effects and the chair and if they showed her floating at times and things so you can understand that situation and why they would uh, only bring him in in, in a you know, short time unlike with Jordy and his situation he just wear that little you know hair thing on his uh, Well, everyone always seems to think it's like this looks like that little uh, hair clip that girls will wear in their hair to hold it back I guess that Jordy had on his face but a little simpler device there for for to show that uh, you know a handicapped person in Starfleet and you know the the idea again in the future that these things won't be really uh, something that will stop people and they'll still be able to do what they want to do. So I'm gonna take a very short break here and I'll be back in a moment. And but while I uh, take my little break, I will be playing, of course, uh, Rick Moyer and his take on this episode's Melora. Take it away, Rick. Hey, Rico. This is Rick Moyer from Aberdeen. Thanks so much for doing Treks and Sci-Fi Podcast. It's such an awesome program. Um, I wanted to thank you for doing the Deep Space Nine episode, Melora. And uh, this is my little take on it. I know it's really corny, but I couldn't help it. I just love Billy Joel. And uh, I, so I, I kind of did a take off on the song Honesty. I'm not the best singer on this one, but I think everybody will get a kick out of it. It's called Anti-Gravity, right here on Treks and Sci-Fi. If you search for living space, it isn't hard to find. 
You can have the specifics you need to live But if you look for atmosphere You might just as well be weak It always seems to be so hard to give Anti-gravity is such a lonely word If I wear my exoskeleton on my sleeve I don't want some sympathy To order Klingon food All I want is someone to believe Anti-gravity Is such a lonely word Thanks very much for that great song again, Rick. Uh, always coming up with something unique uh, for each episode. Uh, I love Billy Joel as well, so really appreciate you doing that. Uh, I know how much time that kind of stuff can take to put together, and uh, always appreciate it. Always great to hear from you. I'm going to do, uh, like I said earlier, I'm going to do one more uh, television theme uh, song. Uh, this one is from the late 
uh, 80s, early 90s, a television show, another favorite of mine in the sci-fi fantasy kind of realm. This went from uh, March of 89 to May of 1993, and it starred someone who eventually went on to uh, work in a Star Trek series. It lasted for 97 episodes, and uh, again, a favorite. Here is the theme to this show. Yes, that's a theme to uh, Quantum Leap, uh, starring Scott Bakula uh, as Dr. Sam Beckett. Uh, great show. Uh, if you've never catched that, uh, rent some DVDs and check it out. Each week, different. Each week, very well done. Uh, again, a great series. Uh, and Scott went, of course, on to play uh, Captain Archer on Enterprise. I'm not going to do a, a collectible review this week. Uh, I've got a few things going on. I want to get the podcast edited and up. So uh, we're going to skip over that this week, but I will probably do one next week. Next week's show is going to be a little bit different. Uh, I'm not going to say too much, but uh, it's going to be uh, unique. It will be Podcast 175, so I am planning something a little bit special for that. Uh, there won't be a whole lot of information on the normal website and beforehand. Uh, this is going to be a special treat and surprise for everyone. I, ho- I hope uh, you'll enjoy it. So anyway, that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to get out of here, and again, I hope everyone's enjoyed this week's podcast, and thanks for tuning in. Uh, shoot up a vote on uh, Podcast Alley for the show and maybe a review on iTunes. Those are always great to see. Uh, I will talk to you again next time. Take care and have the, a great week. For more information on Treks and Sci-Fi, visit the Treks and Sci-Fi website at www.treksinsci-fi.com. This has been a Rico Dodge production.